Welcome to the second episode of the Private Property Podcast with myself, Zamandungo Kumalo. And of course, we are on day eight of the national lockdown. And this podcast will bring you some experts to help us navigate um, this uncharted territory that we find ourselves in. And on today's show, I've got Maya Fisher French, who's a, an award-winning personal finance um, guru and a financial journalist, as well as Michelle Dickens, who's the um, managing director of TPN Credit Bureau. And today we'll essentially be talking about everything you need to know about financial relief and your credit score during um, this crisis. I know so many of us are negatively affected or our finances are negatively affected, whether you're a tenant, whether you're a landlord, um, perhaps your job is on the line right now and you might not know how to best navigate that from a financial perspective or know how to um, utilize certain products that some of your respective banks might have. Uh, ladies, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. You know, so Maya, I'd like to actually start with you. You know, there's a video of yours that went viral um, this past couple of days where you were doing what you do best and giving us, you know, uh, the tips that we need to navigate our financial journey. And you were talking about, you know, credit insurance. Can you tell our viewers a bit more about credit insurance and how they can actually use it? Yes, um, that video has created a monster. I'm afraid. <laughs> I have been flat out this week. I, I think the banks don't love me right now. Um, I can imagine, yeah. I created a lot of work for them uh, the last couple of hours, a uh, few days. Um, so credit insurance is, for many, many people, when they take insurance, and this particularly on short-term loans. Mm -hmm. So, if, for example, Capitec, African Bank, they almost make it compulsory for you to take credit insurance. Um, and credit insurance is there to cover you if you're retrenched, if you're disabled, or if you die. So in the example of a retrenchment, if you're retrenched, your um, premium, your debt repayments are actually paid for you for up to 12 months on that particular loan that you had the insurance with. Um, so obviously, it's an incredible benefit if you've been retrenched. Uh, well, obviously, until you find work again, if you find work before 12 months, then you won't, it won't continue. But what a lot of uh, the banks actually missed, really, was that there's also a provision for loss of income. And the loss of income says that if you are still employed, but your employer cannot pay you, you could also claim from credit insurance. And that was really the big, um, the, the, the big point of that video, was that I, I had been sitting waiting for two weeks for the banks, when they came up with their debt relief options, to say, by the way, remember credit insurance. And nobody did. Uh, I think African Bank was the only one who actually highlighted it. And I must say, credit to them, they actually have probably the best credit insurance. So if you have African Bank credit insurance, you're very lucky. <laughs> covers a lot um, but that's really what it is so um, I think the, the problem was from the bank's perspective and I, I suppose for people listening here because they're obviously interested in property is that it was it tended to be quite um, you know compulsory for shorter term loans but for credit for car finance for home loans it tended to be an opt-in uh, so okay. a lot of people didn't have it um, unless they were in the affordable market the affordable market often the banks required them to have it so people are were hoping that their bond was going to be paid for them um, and that isn't necessarily the case unless you'd actually opted for it. And so, you know, are there certain products? Because I know, for example, um, if I look at some of the home loans that I've taken, there was, or there is rather, an insurance that you had to take and different service providers sometimes offer it. Sometimes the actual banks offer it. Um, and with some of the banks, I know they say it's compulsory that there must be some or other form of insurance that you must take alongside your actual bond payment. And, you know, when you're taking out a home loan, you typically don't think worst case scenario, right? So 
when we look at people then who have home loans, do you tend to find that certainly the ones that perhaps may have reached out to you the past couple of days, are you finding that a lot of them have opted into that insurance product and how can they then talk to their bank um, to find out if they do in fact have it and then start utilizing it? Yeah, so the, the insurance that is actually compulsory with, with, um, uh, with your mortgage tends to be life cover. So if you die, um, it doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily credit insurance for retrenchment, uh, for retrenchment. So that's the definition you need to find out. Was it pure life cover that was only if I was disabled or died? Or did it include the retrenchment provision? So you'd certainly want to go and find out because they could have had that um, clause in the, in, the, um, in the insurance. So the most important thing is just get out your bond statement. It should, there should be a, a, a premium coming off. Or you may have gone and taken out that cover. Sometimes people see that they're existing life cover. Um, so then obviously that would, they'd have to go and speak to, to their other um, providers. So that's what you'd need, you'd need to look at. Um, the actual pure credit insurance product would not necessarily be the same as that life cover that the banks wished you to take. But it could be. You need to check. You know, Michelle, I want to bring you in. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people's credit score is very likely going to be negatively affected during this period. And we were talking before... Um, you know, before we started this episode about some of the potential options that are available for people who are in the rental market. If you could just take us through those two options that you highlighted that uh, people can tap into to help them navigate this crisis. So um, for rental um, um, agreements, um, typically these are not provided with any form of life cover or uh, death or disability or retrenchment cover. Um, it's very unusual. So um, one of the um, fundamental parts of uh, a lease agreement is um, the majority are taken out with a deposit in place. And a deposit is put in place to protect the landlord in the event that there are damages to the property at the end of the lease agreement. Um, but there is nothing that prevents a tenant or a landlord from entering into an agreement during this um, period where we're in crisis, where the landlord and tenant can agree that the tenant's deposit can be used for the rent during this period. And the tenant further agrees that the deposit will be reinstated at the end of the lockdown by making installment repayments uh, back to the landlord or to his property manager. And that's a nice way of cash flowing um, the, the loss of rent in this um, situation at the moment. The second agreement is the rent deferment agreements. Now I must, possibly take a step back and state that these agreements are typically used um, in the event where you're dealing with a tenant who was in good standing with their rental agreement up until the 31st of May. So we're not talking about tenants who are already delinquent on their rental agreements. It's tenants who um, have a history of being in good standing with their rent. And now due to circumstances beyond their control in terms of the lockdown, they are faced with uh, loss of um, earnings due to retrenchment, um, shortened working hours, um, being placed on um, temporary unpaid leave. So the tenant would make application to the landlord or property managers to state that their income is at risk, the reason that their income is at risk, and to um, allow the estate agent or landlord to make contact with their employer to confirm this and to provide the supporting documentation in terms of their retrenchment, shortened hours, temporary unpaid leave, leave etc. The second agreement would be the rent deferment agreement. And here, the tenant and landlord can agree that the tenant at this point 
um, does not need to pay the April rent or the May rent, May rent um, should we get that far down the road. Um, and that um, the tenant agrees to repay the April rent in installments at an agreed uh, term um, and monthly commitments in the future. And that way that provides some relief for the, for the tenant. From the credit bureau's perspective then, um, it's important that when these agreements are entered into, that that is correctly recorded on the accounting software of the estate agent or landlord, so that that data is submitted to the credit bureau to properly reflect the fact that the deposit has been used and therefore the rent is uh, settled, the credit profile would then be updated to reflect a paid um, up status. If the deposit, if the rent is deferred, um, that um, the, um, the invoicing of that rent is in a future date and no negative consequences um, or impact on the current month's rent. Of course, what it does mean is that the tenant is then required to pay the rent in the future months, plus the installments on either the deposit utilization or the deferred rent. And so the tenant might have a situation where his uh, rent is, and the average rent at the moment is 8,000 Rand per month. And that 8,000 Rand um, is uh, deferred over two additional months in June and July. Um, and so effectively in June and July, the tenant would be required to pay 8,000 rand plus the 4,000 rand deferred payment, which is 12,000 rand. Um, at that point, the tenant would be required to settle those accounts in full in order to have no negative impact on their credit profile. And I, I can already imagine just how big a financial burden even that is. I mean, those are such big figures. Um, and so many people, so many of us are probably finding ourselves in, um, in a financial position that's where we have quite a number of question marks about how to best best navigate it. Um, you, you know, Maya, I, I want us to perhaps, you know, if you could share perhaps some of, some of the financial sort of do's and don'ts during this period. I mean, some people, for example, are looking at their cars and they're thinking, I'm not really driving, my car's just sitting because we, we can't drive anyway. Maybe I should cancel my insurance. Um, I'm, I'm at home, nobody's going to break into my house. Maybe I should even cancel the house insurance. You know, what are some of the financial do's and don'ts um, can you share with our viewers, during, particularly during this time of crisis? I think what's quite interesting is that you made that comment about not driving your car. And some of the insurers have come out and actually already offered discounts to premiums because the risk is lowered. Um, so, so I would certainly, if I was a customer, I would contact my insurer and say, listen, I'm not driving my car for the next few weeks. You know that. So um, can I get a, a reduction in my premium? So that would definitely be something that the insurance companies can offer because their risk has literally been decreased. Yeah. The, the problem with skipping, and I did speak to all the short-term insurers and I said to them, is there, are there any payment holidays you can give? Because there's nothing worse than someone who's just been knocked on their income having an insurance claim and they're not covered. Yeah. And they said that it is, it, they just can't do that. They can't, it's just financially unviable for them to, to give people protection that, um, that, that hasn't been paid for. So that's not going to happen. You can't completely waive it. But you could possibly speak to them um, about a reduction, um, perhaps a reduction in cover. So say, for example, if your insurer says, no, um, we're not offering you a discount, but you could say, okay, could I go to just third party um, insurance or, or theft? Can I just be insured for theft for the next three weeks? 
um, and then reduce your premium that way. So I think those are some of the, the clever ways to do it. Um, obviously, in terms of your home, uh, you know, your, your burglaries and robberies and that sort of thing, um, again, you, you could, if you, if you felt that you could carry that risk, you could contact them and say, I'll increase my, my excess. So I'm not, instead of having a 5,000 rand excess, I'll go to a 20,000 rand excess and that could reduce your premium. So I think there are a lot of ways to negotiate um, in, in, with your insurers to make sure you still have cover, but that it becomes a little bit more affordable. And Michelle, you know, what would be some of the do's and don'ts for both the tenant and the landlord during this period? Uh, you know, as much as there are probably a lot of both tenants and landlords who have a really great relationship together. We also know of many instances where that's not the case, whether it's landlords who want to kick people out of their property uh, or maybe already had a standing eviction order. And of course now with the lockdown that very likely might not be able to be carried out. What would you say are some of the do's and don'ts, particularly during this period and given that there's a very big possibility that it might extend beyond the 21 days? So there, there are a couple that um, spring to mind immediately. And the first is, um, quite correctly, as you said, um, the sheriffs are not um, uh, serving summons at the moment in terms of uh, evictions. They're not a necessary service. Um, you might have an eviction um, order granted, but you're unable to um, proceed because we are in lockdown at the moment. Um, but even if you have a tenant um, who, um, up until this point, has been in good standing, um, TPN absolutely um, believes that you should continue with your collection processes in the ordinary course of business because once lockdown ends, you don't want to only at that point um, start dealing with um, non-payments of, uh, of rent. So the first thing that, um, that we do is we, we send our data to the credit bureau um, and get the bureau to SMS the tenants, um, sharing with them how their credit profile has been updated. I think this is incredibly important, both for tenants that are in good standing and tenants that have fallen behind on their rent. Um, because being informed is the first step to, to making, um, making a change. So typically what we find is tenants who have um, um, a, a behavior of paying their rent on time in full and get updated uh, monthly to share with them that their credit profile has been positively um, updated are more inclined to continue with that um, type of behavior. Um, in terms of your letter of demands, um, uh, rental agents can absolutely continue to send out letter of demands at the moment. Um, the requirement in law for fixed term lease agreement is that the tenant must be given 20 business days to remedy their breach. Um, the consumer tribunal has not suspended those business days as yet. So your letter of demands can be sent out whilst in lockdown and your days can continue. And today they're counting as the, the business days. Exactly. In terms of default listing though, the national credit regulators come out and suspended business days. So you would not be able to load a default listing on a, a consumer's credit profile unless the account is three consecutive billing cycles in arrears. You've given the tenant the 20 business days notice of your intention to load the default. Um, and those days no longer include um, the lockdown days. So they don't include uh, Saturday, Sunday or public holidays. And now they don't include the lockdown days either. Um, and um, the tenant remains in default, only post that period uh, can you load adverse uh, listing on the consumer's or the tenant's credit profile. Of course, tenants must remember 
um, that once they come and they settle their account, be it on a rental or any other uh, credit agreement, once that account is settled, um, the credit provider or the landlord in this instance must remove that default from the um, consumer's credit profile. So there is a way to rehabilitate yourself. And, and typically how long does that period take, Michelle? Um, for the data to be removed from the credit bureau? Um, immediate on TPN's credit bureau. So as we collect data um, monthly on a consumer's, uh, on, on, so what we do is we collect a file from the estate agent or the landlord of all their tenants and how the tenant has paid that month. When those files are collected and we see that a tenant who has a default listing and the account has been brought up to date and has been settled, we automatically remove it from their credit profile. But at any time, um, prior to that, the estate agent um, or landlord can come onto the system and manually remove it from their credit profile um, update, uh, um, credit profile as well. Okay, I'm joined by Michelle Dickens, who's the Managing Director of TPN Credit Bureau, as well as Maya Fisher-French, an award-winning financial journalist. And we're doing our best to make sense of you know, our finances during this crisis and really looking at some of the ways that we can remedy some of the um, you know, some of the, the issues that we are encountering, whether it's with your home loan or with your rental, and, and really trying to see how we can best navigate this um, uncharted territory. Now, Michelle, I actually want to, you know, the, the new month just started a few days ago, and obviously there would have potentially been new tenants who paid their deposits and were supposed to be moving in on the first. Um, what now happens to those tenants? I mean, obviously they're now staying wherever they went into lockdown in the event where they couldn't make prior arrangements with their with the new landlord. Um, are they still going to be charged this month's rental? How do, how do they sort of fix that or have a, a dialogue with the landlord about the rental that they would have probably already paid for this coming month? Um, and now they're obviously not in that particular property. Absolutely. So tenants that have been prevented um, by way of the lockdown from um, taking occupation of a property um, on the 1st of April, the landlord um, must give the tenant a remission of rent for the period um, under lockdown. So unfortunately, the landlord in this instance is going to bear the cost of um, unpaid rent. Um, the tenant um, would probably be in occupation of the property that they were supposed to have moved out of. And in that instance, the tenant is uh, liable for rent in the property where they currently um, reside. The conversation then needs to be about whether the um, lease ends on the 16th of April and the tenant is able to take access into their new uh, dwelling on the, on the 16th um, of April or 17th of April, rather. Um, and that negotiation is going to be, have to be carefully um, constructed between the outgoing landlord and the incoming landlord. But certainly the tenant, in terms of his incoming landlord, uh, would get a remission of rent for those, uh, those 16 days. Come the 17th, the, landlord, the incoming landlord would then be entitled to rent, even though the tenant might choose to stay in occupation in the property that they're in and delay their move until the end of the month. The incoming landlord would still be um, entitled to rent from uh, so, the So, Maya, I'd like to bring you in. You know, a lot of people are having conversations, even myself included, about how oftentimes after a crisis like this, and particularly a financial crisis, because we, we're seeing all the signs of a potential financial crisis, 
there are opportunities that people can typically take advantage of, even amidst you know, all the chaos and uncertainty. Um, and some people are looking at potentially, whether it's buying stock or some people are looking at you know, buying property. And, and you know, some people advise that perhaps don't, be, don't rush ahead too much um, because it's just too much uncertainty right now. And it's not just happening in South Africa, but it really is globally, and the global markets are affected. You know, what, what kind of insight or advice would you give to people who, are, who want to take advantage of whatever opportunities that they're seeing, um, but are still, either they're wary or perhaps too enthusiastic and want to just jump and buy whatever stock that they think might be quite um, cheap at the moment? You know, it's funny, I've, I've actually had people saying, I want to buy properties now, you know, is this a great time? Yeah. Um, and on my reaction is, my goodness me, I'd want liquidity right now. <laughs> I wouldn't be wanting to lock myself into anything. So I think that it, 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 is, it does depend a lot on your personal circumstances. So if you are someone who, like myself, okay, because I follow my own advice, I have liquidity. I have my emergency fund. I have paid ex excess into my mortgage. I've got all these things. And if I have a little bit of extra money um, and I see an opportunity, this was money I was going to invest anyway. This is part of my investment plan. Um, maybe there's an opportunity to buy at a cheaper price and invest at a cheaper price than, than a couple of months ago. But um, so you could have that scenario. But I would say for most people, right now liquidity is king because exactly the point, we have no idea how long this is going to go on for. We don't know if, how many companies will still be around. And I'm not even talking from an investment point of view, I'm talking about your personal point of view. How do you know that, yes, the company you're working for is still paying your salary, but for how much longer? So I would certainly be saying my priority at this stage would be about bedding things down, making sure I'm paying off my debts, building my emergency fund and preparing for worst case. If worst case doesn't happen, great, I've got liquidity, I can start investing again. So I think from the point of view of people who feel like, oh, now's the time, I'm going to have an opportunity of a lifetime. You don't know that you buy into something and then life happens and you're out of a job. Um, obviously, for your normal monthly investments, the money that's going into retirement funds and your debit orders, and if you're liquid and if you're fine, those must keep going because they were all just part of your original investment plan. But I, I really, I, I am quite surprised that there are people who are that bullish that they would go and commit themselves to a massive asset um, during such uncertain times. I suppose our risk appetite um, is, is quite different. Some people are quite risk averse. Uh, while others aren't. Um, you know, so Michelle, I actually want to go back to, to the tenant-landlord um, relationship and, and whether people are moving in or moving out. So in the event where you had a lease in place, you're going to be moving in, and now you decide, actually, maybe I, I don't even want to move in anymore. Can people just cancel their lease out of the blue? Um, and let's suppose in this instance, you'd already paid your deposit and let's say the first month's rental, um, but now you're thinking, actually, as this lockdown is happening, perhaps I'm not going to move into that place. Maybe the rental was high and was going to be your upgrade, you know, um, apartment. And now you're thinking, maybe I should rather stay here. How do people actually then go about whether canceling that particular lease? Can they just cancel it? Will they get their money back? Mm. So tenants are absolutely entitled uh, to cancel their lease in terms of the Consumer Protection Act um, at any point. Um, so for, for any reason. Um, so if the tenant um, does decide at this stage that they do want to cancel their lease agreement, they simply need to give their landlord uh, through their property manager uh, 20 business days notice of their intention to, to cancel the lease. 
But remember, the landlord is still entitled to the um, reasonable cancellation uh, penalty. So the tenant would be liable for rent during the 20 business days um, of the cancellation period. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the Consumer Tribunal has not suspended business days yet as they relate to the Consumer Protection Act. So the tenant would be liable for the rent during that, um, those 20 business day uh, period. Um, and the landlord would then be entitled to the reasonable cancellation penalty, which may include uh, the fact that they've paid an agent to source you um, and um, often, if it's a fixed-term lease agreement, uh, that um, equates to your first month's rent. Okay. So your penalty may very well include the repayment of the agent's commission, which is a month's rent. Plus, because we're in lockdown, the landlord would be unable to source a replacement tenant. So that reasonable uh, cancellation penalty may include loss of rent um, while the agent uh, tries to find a replacement uh, tenant for you. So Absolutely, they're entitled to, but it might be quite an expensive um, cancellation. Ladies, before I let go of you, any last words for landlords, tenants, or even any consumer right now during this crisis, financial or otherwise? Michelle? Oh, oh let's. Um, I, would, I would say communication. Sorry, Maya. I would say communication is key at this stage. So negotiate, communicate, do not stay silent. Um, uh, pick up the phone to whatever. Oh, we seem to have lost you there, Michelle. Um, I'm going to bring in Maya. Michelle, we seem to have just uh, briefly lost you there for a moment. Uh, Maya, your words? Well, I was going to actually say exactly the same thing, and that's what I'm finding. People are, you know, don't, don't be belligerent. Don't stick your head in the sand. Just start talking. Phone your credit providers. Phone your landlords. Have the communication. Um, I think it's absolutely critical. I've certainly spoken to a couple of landlords recently. But there's individuals who have a few properties, um, and they are, you know, they're everyone's open to negotiation, but they also have bills to pay themselves. So it is just about understanding that we're all in this together. Everybody is affected, and maybe we just need to be talking and finding some reasonable solutions around it. And that's so true. I think so many of us, um, you know, underestimate that it's not just one party who. Um, is affected and perhaps whether it's the landlord or uh, the tenant but all of us are equally affected and all of us are trying to make sense of how to best navigate this as, as best as we can. Uh, Michelle I see I've got you back. Uh, you were still saying? So I don't, I'm not sure when I dropped off there but what I was saying is communication. So negotiate, communicate um, with whatever service providers or credit providers, uh, tenants, uh, landlord relationship you, you have. Okay, thank you so much, Lise, for joining us this afternoon. And of course, that was Maya Fisher-French, an award-winning financial journalist, as well as uh, Michelle Dickens, who is the Managing Director of TPN. And that brings to an end today's episode of the Private Property Podcast, where, of course, we'll bring you expert guests who can help us navigate uh, whatever issue that we have, uh, whether you're a tenant or a landlord. And of course, if you want to have uh, or get more information, you can go to our website on privateproperty.co.za and you can connect to us more there. And this will, of course, be on Facebook Live, so you can share your comments or questions on the link below. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.